Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, I've got another question. So would you rather have a pause, rewind, or fast-forward button for your life? Oh, this is good. So, okay, all right, here's what I think this means. I think this is a choice between which do you which you want to avoid awkwardness, regret, or boredom. So like the the pause is a chance to think before you talk, right? So you want to avoid awkwardness to say, I don't want this to be an awkward interaction. Rewind is like, ah, I gotta redo that because I feel I have regret. But fast forward is if you're like, this is so boring. I just need to get through this right away. So I'm nah, I don't I don't know what my answer is. I, I don't think it's boredom. I can handle that. I think uh, I think it would have a rewind. Go yeah. back and redo something. I don't accept the categories that he created. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm fascinated that he just created yeah. like his own categories right there on the that spot. That was impressive too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually only thought about mistakes. So I'm like, rewind, I can go back and undo mistakes. Pause, I can stop and avoid possible mistakes. And going to the future is even better than the pause. You can see the future, get ready for it so that you are prepared and don't make mistakes. So he had three categories. I only had one, which maybe just means that I make an awful <laughs> lot of mistakes. <laughs> which is the best way to avoid the mistake. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gotcha. I don't, I don't think I'd want to see the future. That's too, that's too much pressure. Those, there are some things that only God should, should but have the, the But the fast to... forward is just get there faster, right? Like it's it's oh. more it's more so you mean, it's more oh, like you mean right. you no, want to get there and you, stay there? Yeah, oh, you don't go. Right. I mean, you only get fast forward. So it's like you know what? Hey, this is a really boring meeting. Fast forward. I I don't have to put up with it so much. Oh, that's true. Because if we would rewind, then we would relive. Yeah. And redo essentially if we wanted yeah. to. Yeah, you you want to get through hard things faster. Fast forward. Mm. Wow. I think I want the pause button. I want that's my answer. I want the pause button. So you can you can prepare ahead of time. You can think before you go into something kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, you're in the middle of a, a serious situation or a moment. And the ability to just pause in any conversation and just think for a moment, what do I want to say next? What's going on? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I want the pause button. I don't want to relive anything. But I'm wondering and I if definitely the- don't want to skip over portions of my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm with Eric. Like, I... I think the the fast forwarding through the hard times would be good, but I there's obviously there's a reason to sit in those sometimes. I don't want to relive anything, so yeah, pause for sure. But the but the rewind rewind would be like a redo, right? Yeah, like you go back, you oh, still, I messed that up. But you, you know? still gotta I, go. You still gotta go back. Like I don't know. Yeah, and let's say you go back a year. Now you have to relive that whole year. <laughs> you don't, yeah, you don't get the no, fast forward again. No, 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 is... no, no, no. I want the span of my life to. The pause button is extending it a little bit. Just a temporary, just pause until you figure out what you want to do, and then you do it, and it's done. You know what I'm thinking right now? I wonder how many listeners of the podcast take these questions and, like, at their dinner table or when they're in the car with their kids or their spouse, ask these questions. Oh, I do. I go back from these recordings and I ask my kids immediately. Yeah? Huh. So, yeah, it's a good idea. Pretty good. All right, Clayton, you have some listener feedback for us. I got some listener feedback. So uh, we got an email here uh, that was uh, sharing some thoughts about a passage, which which were wonderful. But the thing I really want to share is in the PS to this. Mm. Uh, this person says, has anyone ever said they got in an argument with their spouse over their application in comma asking for a friend? <laughs> so... Oh. Um, <laughs> 
Is it really a friend? I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> the answer is no. No one's ever told me about an argument about their application, but I could imagine it happening. But okay. here, go go for it. I am imagining it happening. <laughs> so there's two scenarios. Okay, so one is a husband and a wife are both doing their Bible savvy reading schedule, and they talk to each other afterward like they do it individually and later they talk about their applications which is good this would be a good practice for spouses but one of the spouses thinks that the other spouse is missing the application that oh, they really oh, like, need to get oh, out yeah, of it you should have gotten this out of <laughs> yeah, it but you didn't yeah, yeah it's like when you're listening you're hearing a sermon you're like this sermon would be good for my son yeah <laughs> right uh or they're doing their bible savvy reading together and they're going through the comma method together and they get to application and they just think that the other person is not understanding the text at all like, yeah, like no your, app- your application is wrong yeah yeah either way that's really interesting that this person emailed that in yes mm-hmm. but it, here's the cool thing it means that they're talking with their spouse well, their this their friend I is mean. talking with their, their spouse <laughs> about the Bible, and and I have actually heard that I've I've heard from people in our church saying one of the things that's really been beneficial about doing Bible savvy is that both my spouse and I do it. Either we talk about it, we do it together. It draws us closer to Jesus and to each other. And I, I'm thankful that that's a side effect we didn't intend when we made this this plan and did that. So I like to hear about those You're things. You're glad that a side effect of the podcast <laughs> is that spouses are getting in fights. Not in fights. No, I mean, they're hey, talking, listen, they're they're talking about, the about the Bible. If you're going to fight, <laughs> fight, about, the fight Bible. about your Bible reading. <laughs> this is what Clayton wants you to know. Oh, that's great. All right, Clayton, what passage are we looking at today? All right, we are going to be in the Old Testament book of Micah. In chapter four, Micah is a prophetic book. So that's what we are are reading kind of in this season right now, a number of the prophets. And uh, just a a little background for Micah. Uh, Micah is a prophet who is uh, writing uh, in probably about mm, 650 BC. Okay, so this is uh, before some of the big invasions have come. Uh, There is a divided kingdom, uh, the north and the south. And uh, Micah is writing to say, hey, um, this is a this is a time when you think like uh, things are prosperous and good, but you need to know that coming is uh, some invasions that will happen. But he's also predicting what will happen after those invasions. So we've ca- kind of got a long range view of Israel's future, both the judgment that will come because of sin, but also the re- restoration that will come after that. So we're going to read in Micah chapter four, uh, the whole chapter, starting in verse one. Hey Clayton, before I read, I have a question for you. Yeah. So when you're in the prophets. Often a prophet's ministry was either to the southern kingdom of Judah or the northern kingdom of Israel, but sometimes both. Mm-hmm. Micah is talking to both. 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 Okay. Yes. So the, the northern kingdom is still around. Some of the ones that are in the southern kingdom, they're only talking to the southern kingdom because the northern kingdom gets taken out about a hundred and something years right. before the northern one or the southern one. You get those dates get pounded into you when you go to Bible college. That's right. 722 and 586. Yes. 722 and 586. All right, here we go. I don't know why I said it like that. 722 and 586. <laughs> You're just mocking your professor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is what I was doing. <laughs> That's bad of me. That just came out. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. You might think that our goal for the Bible Savvy podcast is to help our listeners read the Bible. But it's not. Our goal is to help our listeners understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. To do that, you often read the Bible, but you can also listen to the Bible. The YouVersion, Y-O-U-Version, is the most downloaded and used Bible app in the world. 
And it has a listening feature. You can listen to the Bible in the car, on the treadmill, while you cook. Reading the Bible is good. So is listening to it. And this has been your comma tip of the week. Okay, Micah chapter four, here we go. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and peoples will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God forever and ever. In that day, declares the Lord, I will gather the lame, I will assemble the exiles, and those I have brought to grief. I will make the lame my remnant, those driven away a strong nation. The Lord will rule over them in Mount Zion from that day and forever. As for you, watchtower of the flock, stronghold of daughter Zion, the former dominion will be restored to you. Kingship will come to daughter Jerusalem. Why do you now cry aloud? Have you no king? Has your ruler perished? That pain seizes you like that of a woman in labor? Writhe in agony, daughter Zion, like a woman in labor, for now you must leave the city to camp in the open field. You will go to Babylon. There you will be rescued. There the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies. But now many nations are gathered against you. They say, let her be defiled. Let our eyes gloat over Zion. But they do not know the thoughts of the Lord. They do not understand his plan, that he has gathered them like sheaves to the threshing floor. Rise and thresh, daughter Zion, for I will give you horns of iron. I will give you hooves of bronze, and you will break to pieces many nations. You will devote their ill-gotten gains to the Lord, their wealth to the Lord of all the earth. All right. The next step in comma is observation. And so this is where we look at the things that are right there in the text, uh, note things that are repeating or striking to us. Uh, Maybe we don't know exactly what they mean yet, but we pay attention to the details. The first thing that stood out to me was just this picture that popped into my mind when it says he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. And uh, just thinking of like God's word, like when we, when we read it, we talk about it, like how it brings to life um, the truth that he wants us to live and the character he wants us to have and how that is supposed to keep us on his path. It's just a really pretty picture of him teaching us and guiding us in the way that he would have us go. My first observation is the first four words of the chapter in the last Mm -hmm. days. And so it always makes me wonder, well, what are the last days and when will that be? Yeah, that's a that's a tricky phrase because our immediate association is the very very end. You know, when Jesus comes back, it's all kind of wrapped up. Um, but in the Bible, sometimes that phrase means uh, something different than that. So it's almost as if there's a a last days when everything is you know ju- evil is judged completely and the world is is healed fully. But then there are times where it kind of comes into the future where uh, God intervenes and kind of kind of previews the last days. And so there's a day of the Lord or something like that ahead of time. And in fact, when you read the New Testament, uh, often it talks about in these last days, 
which started when Jesus rose from the dead. And so um, it's a, a little bit tricky to know exactly each passage. So you got to pay attention to context. Um, the thing I noticed here is the image of uh, the people from all of the other nations streaming in to Jerusalem, to the to the uh, the temple there, and uh, coming and and not uh, coming as an invasion, but coming to say, "All right, let us learn. Let let's you guys know what's going on. Um, let tell us how this is supposed to be. How do we walk in the ways of your God?" And then there's also uh, kind of images of the law going out from Zion. It says in in the end of verse two, the world word of the Lord coming out from Jerusalem. So there's both people coming in to learn and people going out to teach. And that, that makes me think ahead to when uh, in the New Testament, Jesus sends out his uh, followers and his command is go and make disciples of the nations, meaning people outside of this ethnic community, go and make disciples of the nations and teach them all the things that I've taught you to do. And so um, I see that image in here in kind of a vivid way. Another thing I noticed here is verse three, where it's talking about turning weapons into farming tools, right? They will beat their swords into plowshares, their spears into pruning hooks. And if that is lost on you as you're reading it, uh, what the heck is it talking about? The next section of the verse kind of helps you get some context for that. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. So saying there's going to be no more war. So all of your all of your battle equipment, you're going to repurpose it for other things. Kind of cool. Yeah, I think there's also this distinction too. It says on, in verse 5, it says, all the nations will walk or may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Um, it, it's... You know the 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 idea that there is the one true God, and I'm wondering, Clayton, when you said like when when people will come in to learn, right, and then they'll go out. Like if all these other nations are coming in to learn, um, I, as I read that, I, I kind of connected the two, and I thought, well, will they still walk out after and and go on to serve their their own gods, or will they will some of them get to know this one true God and walk in His way? Like it's just that idea of I wonder. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's the idea that, so it's it's this vivid image. It's this idea of people coming in for a pilgrimage, just like, you know, all the Jews would come to Jerusalem for a pilgrimage and they'd learn and they'd worship and, and so on. And it's this image of the other people, like the people who mock us and attack us and, mm-hmm. and deride us. They're coming in to be pilgrims with us. And so the, the idea for at least the first four verses there is that those nations are saying, we want to follow this God. Mm-hmm. And I think verse five is sort of a backup. If this is going to be true, then it's saying to God's people now, even before the nations start streaming in, to say, you know what? You look around and all the nations, they may follow their own God right now, but we're going to stick with this because we know where this is going. Like we know that one day all the nations are going to realize our God knew what was going on and they're going to want to come in and learn about this God. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's it's not like saying, well, some of them are going to walk out and still serve the other gods. I think it's saying, we'll yeah. do this now because we know where it's going. The other thing that I saw was just this declaration that God keeps declaring, I will, I will, I will, the Lord will. And it's just that idea that, again, whatever he says comes to pass, period. Yeah, and he has a plan. Where does it, where does it say uh, something about like, uh, they don't 12, know what God's doing, but he does? Verse 12, but they do not know the thoughts yeah. of the Lord. They do not understand his plan. Yeah, yeah. God has a plan, and he's pretty good at executing it. Yep. Uh, my very general observation is there is a whole lot of good yeah. in Micah 4. Yeah. 
then there are places where you realize that good is often preceded by bad. So in verse 10, it says, you will go to Babylon, but there you will be rescued. Like rescue is a good thing. There you, there the Lord will redeem you out of the hand of your enemies. But rescue and redemption comes after going into exile. Uh, and then a little bit further down, actually the next verse, right now, many nations are gathered against you. They, they, can, they have bad plans for you. Uh, and then it goes on. There's, there's good that comes after that. So awful lot of good in Micah chapter four. Yeah, it's, it's tricky because Micah is talking about something that is so far in the future and the, all the things that have to go, go before. There are two major empires that are going to invade the northern and then the southern kingdom over the course of the you know century or so after this, before any of this comes to pass. So that's like, it's really weird when you start laying out the whole thing because um, you, you say, well, where's the, where's the hope in this? You know, um, it's, it's for future generations and long-term kind of things. Yeah, this, there's a, there was an analogy I've heard several, back to Bible college now, several professors have used the, the analogy of the mountaintops. Yeah. Have you heard this yep. analogy? So uh, when you're reading the prophets and it's talking about things that will happen in the future in the Bible, it can get very confusing because you don't know how much time is going to pass between the things that you're reading. And sometimes you're reading a passage and something that a prophet says happens 50 years later, but then the next thing they said isn't going to happen until after the crucifixion and resurrection. And so there's a lot of space between the events. And so if you think if, you're, if you are standing on a mountaintop and you're looking out at the horizon and there's more mountaintops between you and the horizon, you can see all the mountaintops, but you don't necessarily know how much space is between the mountains, but you can't see the mountaintops. And so you can count them. Like maybe let's say there's six, there's six mountaintops. But you can't really say definitively how much space is between each mountain. So think of that in terms of time. Sometimes when you're reading prophecy in the Bible, that's going on, and it's very hard to figure out how much time is elapsing between these things happening. I notice in the second half of this chapter, a couple of times it talks about uh, the king. Uh, the, the kingship will come to daughter's, uh, daughter Jerusalem. Uh, do you have no king? Has your ruler perished? Um, there is something about the future hope that has to do with the restora- restoration of a good king. Um, and it's interesting for us, you're talking about that mountain range. We're on the other side of some of these mountains where a king actually has come to Jerusalem. Uh, he looked a lot different than they thought, um, but he did actually... Um, you know, redeem his people and take his throne. And so uh, King Jesus uh, actually coming back. Now, there were some, you know, kings a little bit in between that kind of came back sort of a little bit. Uh, but King Jesus is the definitive one that does that. And we know he's going to be the one who brings in the day when we, you know, take our weapons and turn them into, you know, useful tools and things like that, uh, when there's going to be peace and when the nations come streaming in. But it, it comes with Jesus. What else do you see? Just uh, look, thinking back to, to what Eric was saying, too, which is the, uh, the idea of uh, this collapse or the dis- distress that's going to be coming uh, is also like this promise of restoration deliverance. And so uh, my NIV study Bible actually laid it out for me that verses 9 through 10, like talk about that collapse of the kingdoms and the distress that the people are going to be under. And then 11 through 13 says like this, this talks about their restoration and their deliverance. And so there's that promise that God is going to allow both to happen. Um, and I, I appreciated the NIV study Bible, like laying it out for me very clearly, like this, these chapters or these verses talk about this and these verses talk about 
what this is. And so that was that was helpful for me when I'm reading this, especially something like this because it's all very poetic and sometimes you're just like, whoa, what is that? What is that? What is that getting at? Well, let, let's go ahead and read the NIV study note. I've got it right here in front of us. Yeah. For verses 9 and 10, it says, A prophecy of judgment and salvation. The next three units, verses 9 and 10, 11 to 13, and then it goes into Micah 5, 1 through 4, all begin with the Hebrew word for now and end with an assertion that the present or anticipated bad situation will be changed for the better from distress to deliverance. Yeah, that's good. Uh, my final observation here is is that image of the mountain at the very beginning. Uh, I think this is interesting because it says the mountain of the Lord's temple will be the highest of the mountains exalted above all the hills. First of all, you need to know that the mountain that uh, the temple was on is not very big as mountains go. And so this is this is something that is uh, like you would, if you were picturing this in your head and you were someone who is familiar, you wouldn't be looking at this and, and saying, well, of course, like obviously this is one of the, pro- you know, prominent, you know, peaks in the world. Um, but there's this image of saying this small and, and insignificant thing as, you know, world things go is going to become the central focus point of things. And that is... Um, both something when we talk geographically, like the most important events in history happened in Jerusalem right there, um, but also to say this people, that for many times, the people of God look like they are um, underdogs, insignificant, uh, overlooked, not important, uh, and something else is more powerful, to say one day there will be a day uh, when that will all be uh, clarified and the people uh, who follow Jesus will find themselves uh, at the center of things because Jesus is. And to this day, the three major world relig- religions <laughs> are still very focused on that hill. I'll call it a hill. It's a yeah. mountain, I guess. It's a hill. People walk up and down it all day. Uh, Muslims, Jews, Christians. Uh, and to this day, hundreds of thousands of people still make pilgrimages to that mountain. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, the first M in comma, which is message. So let's uh, take a look at some of the details we talked about and try to sum up a principle in a sentence or two. Yeah, my message is uh, God has a good plan, even when we don't understand it. So when everything seems to be collapsing around us, there's still a good plan that's going to come out of it at the end. My message is knowing the good future helps us submit to the hard present. So there are things that we wonder, why is God doing this? Why does God allow this to happen? Why do I have to go through this? And the vision that that happens when we say, this is where history is headed. This is where life is headed. This is where uh, things are going to ultimately end up. And we know that for sure makes it so that we can go through the hard things. Even the things that are, are um, disciplined for us or the things that uh, are unexplained for us, we can say, I can go through this knowing where it's headed. Okay, my, my message is probably some combination of uh, both of yours. Uh, I will say maybe that enemy in your life is necessary for God to get you where you need to go. Uh, and the way, the way I got there, it's a little bit convoluted, but it says in verse 11, but now many nations are gathered against you. They say, let her be defiled. Let her eyes gloat over Zion, right? So they have bad intentions, but they don't know the thoughts of the Lord. They don't understand his plan. They don't know that God is using their posture towards Jerusalem ultimately to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So maybe sometimes the enemies in our life are necessary and God is actually using them, albeit not fun 
or enjoyable, maybe God is using that for his ultimate plan for your life somehow. All right, we'll talk about the other M in comma, which is meditation. This is when we take a portion of the passage and we don't just think about it, we pray about it. We talk to God about it, we ponder it prayerfully. Uh, We usually give you about 45 seconds for this. Today, the verse that we're going to pray about is verse 5. It says, All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. All right, let's turn to the A in comma, which is application. This is where we talk about what we do in response. Yeah, so it's interesting when you we ask the question about, you know, pause, rewind, or fast forward, because like in this instance, some people might want to fast forward through the struggle or the trial. Um, but my application was uh, that sometimes, even though it's hard to make sense of those things, you have to sit in it. Like we, we, we need to sit in it. We need to, to try to ask God, like, what are you trying to do uh, in and through it? so that he's able to accomplish what he wants in our lives. And so um, don't press the fast forward button. Sit in it and ask Whoa. God. Wow. Right? There you go. She did it. I did it. I brought it back. Yeah, that's, wow. That's yeah. Towards the end of the right episode. There. It just, yeah. That was some ninja stuff that right there. That was good. That was good. All right. That's, my, that's awesome. Uh, my message was knowing the good future lets us submit in the hard present. And, and so I think that's one of those ones that you often wrestle with in prayer. So I think some of the application is not just saying, well, I guess I'll, you know, handle the the challenge or the difficulty. Um, it's actually going to God and wrestling through some of those things. Uh, some of that might be lament of saying, why is this happening? How long is this going to happen? It's okay to do that. Um, some of it could be, um, in the case of Israel, they needed to, you know, learn some discipline and confess some things, you know, uh, but there's also just prayers of hope of saying, I know this is true. There's a certain kind of uh, prayer of saying, God, I believe these promises. I believe the future that you have. Uh, give me uh, hope in these things as I go through the hard stuff. And so I think some of this is stuff that you wrestle through in prayer. That would be my application. Uh, my application about enemies in our lives, I'm actually living a circumstance right now where there is a person who like in my flesh, I'm like, I ain't go confront this person. Like I got a few things to say, but right now, I mean, this is happening right now in my head. One, I preached a message a few weeks ago where I looked at thousands of people and said, Jesus Christ, our Lord has taken retaliation off the table for us as his followers. And so I'm thinking to myself, if you have, if you, if you have an enemy in your life, you need to care more about the purposes of God unfolding than you do wringing your hands about the fact that you currently have an enemy in your life. Perspective. The enemy is not the point. The point is God's purposes unfolding. 
All right. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, go to BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends and we'll talk to you next week.